0: Download the Viator app now and use code VIATOR10 for
1: 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Hazardic fumbles the football. It's picked up by Herman Edwards. Deshaun Jackson gets a block. Are you kidding? McNabb is back. He is firing. Caught by Freddie Mitchell. It's fourth and it's still a foot. Didn't get it again. Did it again. That's unbelievable. The
0: Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. You're listening to BGN Memories with John Stolnes. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of BGN Memories, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolnes, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. On this edition of BGN Memories, we are going to take a look back at Super Bowl 39 the first Super Bowl that Andy Reid coached in. We're going to take a deep dive into the decisions Reid made during the course of losing that Super Bowl to the New England Patriots 24-21. to And We're doing this in honor of the fact that Andy Reid is going to be coaching his second Super Bowl in a couple weeks with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, when they take on the San Francisco 49ers. And... Eagles fans, of course, do not remember this game fondly, but it's been a long time. It's been 15 years since we've really taken a close look at this game. And in preparation for this podcast, I rewatched the game. And it's the first time I had sat down and re the entire game from beginning to end since watching it live because I didn't want to watch it again. It was a painful memory. That was a, that was a frustrating game to watch, one of the most frustrating Eagles games in franchise history. It was great to get there, to finally win that fourth NFC Championship game after losing the first three. I was at the fourth NFC Championship game when they got to the Super Bowl, and obviously the city was elated just to get there. And the team played hard. The Eagles in that Super Bowl did not play like a team that was happy to be there. They played their rear ends off. But it was a game filled with mistakes. And it was a game that, after it was all done, would not put Andy Reid in a very positive light. And it's a game that has really shaped the fans' perception of him all these years later. A decade and a half later, the game we most fans remember Andy Reid for most is Super Bowl 39, and especially how the game finished up in the last six minutes. But let's set things up here just a little bit. Coming into Super Bowl 39, both the Patriots and the Eagles were the best teams in their conference. Both number one seeds, both had tremendous seasons. The Patriots went 14-2, That season uh, as they were looking for their third Super Bowl title in four years. Obviously, Tom Brady was just beginning his run as the greatest quarterback of all time, but he'd already established himself as a two-time Super Bowl champion. And so... The odds were stacked against the Eagles a little bit in this Super Bowl, although the Eagles were far and away the best team in the NFC that season, having gone 13-3. and Really, they were essentially a one-loss team. They lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the middle of the season, but they had clinched the number one seed in the conference with two games left in the season and basically didn't play anybody in the final two games, and that's why they went 13-3. and The Eagles probably could have been a 15-1 and team if they'd actually played their starters in the final two games of the season. But thirteen and three is nothing to sneeze at, and it was certainly good enough to get them the number one seed in the playoffs. Uh, the Eagles defeated the Minnesota Vikings rather handily in the NFC Divisional Round, and then in that NFC Championship game, as you heard me talk about on the last edition of BGN Memories when we took a look back at the ten greatest moments in Eagles NFC Championship game history, when they dispatched the Falcons, pulling away in the second half, winning that game twenty-seven to ten. New England also also had a pretty easy time in the postseason. They won their divisional round game against the Indianapolis Colts 20 to 3 and then they won the AFC title against the Steelers 41 to 27. Bill Belichick, Charlie Weiss, the offensive coordinator at that time for New England. And on the Eagles side, of course, you had Andy Reid calling the plays and Jim Johnson, uh, the defensive coordinator, the blitz-happy defensive coordinator. One of the big storylines, the biggest storyline going into Super Bowl 39, was, of course, the health of Terrell Owens, who was hurt against the Dallas Cowboys a few weeks before the end of the season. Uh, he, had a, he broke his leg on a horse-collar tackle that has now been deemed illegal because of that hit. But as the game started getting closer, it started to appear as though T.O. would be able to get on the field. And Terrell Owens for the Eagles in 2004 was the difference. He took the Eagles from being a very, very good team year in and year out to an almost unbeatable team uh, that season. In 14 games, really it was just 13 games because he was hurt early in that game against the Cowboys, he caught 77 passes for 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns for the Eagles that season. For the first time in his career, Donovan McNabb had a true number one receiver to throw the ball to, but the Eagles offense performed quite well, well, well without Terrell Owens in the two playoff games, but... To beat the Patriots, it was clear the Eagles were going to need him, and he managed to get he managed to get back in time six weeks after surgery to repair his broken right ankle. He was on the field for the start of Super Bowl 39. Donovan McNabb had his best season as an Eagle in 2004, mostly because Terrell Owens was on the outside. And, he, and McNabb was outstanding in two playoff wins against the Vikings and the Falcons. Uh, McNabb had always struggled in those NFC title games, but he played very well against Atlanta. One of the other storylines was that Freddie Mitchell was running his mouth. He came into the game talking a lot of smack about safety Rodney Harrison, telling Harrison that he was going to have something for him. And then in the game, you know, Freddie Mitchell caught one pass, which late in the fourth quarter, and Harrison had uh, two interceptions, as we'll get to here in just a minute. And, of course, the Patriots were looking to officially become A dynasty. They had beaten the Rams. They had upset the Rams in the Super Bowl three years before. Uh, They had failed to get back to the Super Bowl the year after that, but in 2003 or just after the 2003 season, they beat the Carolina Panthers in one of the most underrated Super Bowls in NFL history and were looking for their third title in four years. Andy Reid looking for that first title after finally getting the Eagles back to the super bowl for the first time since 1980 so that was the setup as the teams gathered on the field in jacksonville florida for super bowl 39 so let's jump into the first quarter here and right away things got things got off to an auspicious start you could just kind of tell how things were going to go based on what happened in the first series on a third and three play just one minute into the game McNabb appears to fumble the ball after avoiding a sack on his own 46. It was initially ruled a sack on the field. However, uh, McNabb's knee was down. The Eagles challenged the play, and McNabb's knee was down. But it was a sign of things to come.
2: Blitz McNabb somehow stays on his feet and loses the football.
0: And the Patriots have it the Eagles offensive line had all kinds of trouble picking up New England blitzes in that series and it would be a continuing trend throughout the game. With 3:14 left in the first quarter after the defense forced New England to punt, McNabb throws an a killer interception on second and long, but it's wiped out thanks to an illegal contact call so the eagles get a huge break as mcnab just he just throws one up in the air there was really no chance of it being caught by an eagles player and it was intercepted in the end zone that interception wiped out thanks to an illegal contact call but on the very next play first and 10 from the new england 19 mcnab did it again
2: this is the 10th play of the drive First down from the 19, McNabb goes toward the end zone and this one is picked off. Intercepted by Rodney Harrison. That's his third interception of this postseason and his fifth overall in the last
1: five postseasons, and that one was up the ground. But it looks like Rodney Harrison got hurt on this play, and that is the bigger story right now.
2: Well, watch Rodney Harrison. He's coming over the top the entire way. He's reading Donovan McNabb. He read him on the previous play.
1: Here's Harrison right here. He's just going to read Donovan McNabb, who never takes his eyes off the left side of the field, and Harrison just reads it right over the top.
2: Harrison was able to get up and walk off the field under his own power as the Patriots start now from their own three.
0: Those were two brutal throws in a row by, by McNabb. McNabb looking for Westbrook in the corner of the end zone and underthrew him, just floated the ball, eyes locked on Westbrook as you heard as you heard the commentators talking about Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Chris Collinsworth. And so the Eagles are turned away from a great scoring opportunity. They could have gone up 3-0 for sure. They were driving for a touchdown first and 10 at the New England 19, and McNabb's interception wipes away a great scoring opportunity. However, the Eagles' defense stiffens, and after a 3-and-out, the Eagles get the ball back at the New England 45-yard line. Great field position here. On 3rd and 11, McNabb completes this 8-yard pass to L.J. Smith, likely was not going to get the first down but LJ Smith saw to it that the Eagles would get absolutely nothing on this drive with turnover number two of the opening quarter.
2: McNabb over the middle Harrison on the stop and losing the football is LJ Smith that's recovered by New England. Eugene Wilson
1: comes away with it. Boy, one thing you have to know as a receiver, once you're making initial contact and guys are no longer trying to tackle you, they're trying to hold you up. They're clearly here trying to hold up L.J. Smith. Now the ball's exposed. Randall Gay comes in and knocks the ball free.
0: It would have been interesting to see if Andy Reid would have gone for it on fourth down there because it likely would have been fourth and two or fourth and three from about the 37-yard line. If it was Doug Peterson, you know he would have gone for it because it was probably a little too long for a field goal try, but you're not punting from that part of the field. It's it's a perfect fourth and short time to go for it but we know Andy Reid never went for it in those types of situations really no coaches at that time 15 years ago were going for it in those situations and so uh, the Eagles probably would have punted or tried a long field goal maybe they try a fake field goal in that situation either way they didn't get the opportunity with the LJ Smith turnover And, and LJ Smith he, you know, he's a, he was a good young player at the time. He didn't turn out to be a, a, a franchise tight end. They really missed Chad Lewis in this game. Having the dependable Chad Lewis at tight end as McNabb's safety valve m- might have really helped certainly would have been helpful to have on the field. But uh, Chad Lewis, of course, uh, injured his ankle in the NFC Championship game after his two-touchdown performance, and so L.J. Smith was the starter in this game, and Donovan McNabb uh, did not have one of his normal security blankets in Super Bowl 39. So, at the end of the first quarter, even though the Eagles dominated this opening quarter, they were in New England territory virtually the entire time. The first quarter ends with the score tied at zero. So, we come to the second quarter, and one thing that happened throughout the game was the Eagles were coming to the line of scrimmage late, every single time. That was a running problem with the Eagles, was, get, was Andy Reid getting plays in on time to Donovan McNabb, not, not just in this game, but in virtually every Eagles game. It seemed like the Eagles were always rushing to the line with 7 to 10 seconds and McNabb having to just not able to look at the defense and, and an audible if he needed to. Had to just get to the line and call the play because plays took forever to get in. So McNabb clearly just calling whatever play was called. Didn't have time to to get into anything else. It's very different from how Doug Peterson does things with Carson Wentz. Carson, he gets the plays, and if you can see as soon as a play's over, Doug's already got the sheet in front of him and getting in the headset on which play to call. Carson Wentz gets the team to the line with 15 or 20 seconds left so he can survey the field so he can make some pre-snap reads and he can see what the de- he can look at what the defense is showing him and usually Wentz has a couple of plays to choose from and then he can go ahead and choose that play you wonder how much more effective the offense would have been if Reed had allowed Donovan McNabb to do that sort of thing but he didn't And so they're getting to the line late on every play here in the early going. However, in the second quarter, the Eagles finally, after a couple of uh, trips into New England territory, they have their first scoring drive as Donovan McNabb hit Todd Pinkston for this huge gain down the field.
2: Second down and five, a blitz coming from the Patriots. McNabb steps up, down the middle for Pinkston. What a catch! Kingston is down inside the 20. They'll mark him at the 17.
0: And by the time this drive ends, the Eagles had had 13 plays, 13 plays in opponents' territory compared to the Patriots having zero plays in Eagles' territory, and that 13th play was this touchdown catch from Donovan McNabb to the aforementioned L.J. Smith.
2: Flicks, humpback from McNabb. Smith just really a good play here by Donovan McNabb initially he's looking for Terrell Owens and he's working against Asani Samuel that could have been illegal contact should have been actually and then he gets back inside to the tight end LJ Smith just fighting through a double team boy that was just a fantastic effort by LJ
1: Smith I mean he absolutely got hit by three different guys trying to find an opening and somehow McNabb stayed with him so the Eagles strike
0: first. So again, the Eagles have dominated this game up to this point, but with the interception and with the fumble, they only led 7 to nothing, and they, they should have been up by 10 or even by two touchdowns at this point in the game, and things may have been very different had they not turned the ball over early in this game. New England now started to make some adjustments on offense. Court, offensive coordinator Charlie Weiss decided to spread things out and go with a spread offense to combat Jim Johnson's blitzing scheme, and Johnson couldn't adapt. Jim Johnson had an awful game here, and I know a lot of people want to want to talk about Spygate, and I have thought, I, I do think the Patriots had an advantage over the Eagles with Spygate. I don't; it's it's never been directly linked to their Super Bowl win over the Eagles. The uh, you know whether or not the whether or not Patriots uh, coaches had spied on the Eagles, learned their signals or whatever. There's always been a lot of speculation. I've always speculated that the Patriots knew what the Eagles were going to do because they had maybe gotten an unfair advantage. But what Charlie Weiss did here was pretty simple. After the fir- In the first four drives of the game, New England couldn't get anything going, trying to run the ball from a bunch of formations. So they started to spread things out. They started to go with, with a lot of four wide receiver sets because they wanted to get Jeremiah Trotter off the field. Jeremiah Trotter was great as a middle linebacker in the run game, but he was not as effective in the passing game. And so when you get four wide receivers on the field, you're doing a lot of quick passes, a lot of dink and dunks, a lot of shotgun. You render Jeremiah Trotter largely ineffective in that type of an offense. And so you had to bring in Ike Reese to play in the passing game. And whenever they would do that, New England would jam the ball down their throats with Corey Dillon and Kevin Falk. And starting at this point in the game, the Eagles defense Made some plays. I mean, New England didn't go crazy. They scored 24 points in this game, but the Eagles were not able to get to Tom Brady. Brady had time to throw. It was clear that Weiss had had figured some things out, and Brady started getting the ball out quicker to neutralize that blitz. Drove the ball inside the Eagles' 10-yard line on the ensuing possession after the Eagles' touchdown drive, and that's when Tom Brady decided, but, you know, listen, Tom Brady's great. But he ain't perfect. And that's when he decided to get into the turnover game himself.
2: Brady loses it on the play action. And now the pile. They're not so sure that Tom Brady got on it. It looked like at the very end, Brady lost it again. I don't know how they're going to tell now. Darwin Walker came out of the pile with the ball. And they're still down there looking. Darwin Walker's (laughs) got it. Darwin. Darwin says,
0: hey, I got it. So the Eagles got a turnover. They, they, I mean, he matched McNabb's turnover is essentially what happened there. So maybe you could cancel the McNabb interception and the Tom Brady fumble out. Maybe that's a fair way to look at it. Um, It's, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, criticize one team for a turnover you got to criticize the other team for blowing a scoring opportunity and that's what happened here brady could have gotten a field goal gotten it back to 7 to 3 or tied the game at 7 um so brady turns the ball over there with that uh, botched uh, handoff and the eagles get the ball back but they go three and out and punter dirk johnson shanks a punt new england has the ball on the eagles 37 yard line to start their next drive with a little over 4 minutes left in the half 7 plays later Brady and the Patriots finally get on the board. Second and goal.
2: Brady fires and it is caught. Givens, touchdown.
1: I don't think Lido Shepherd could believe that Tom Brady he threw that ball all the way across his face to the outside. Brady a great manipulator with his eyes. He knows how to work a defense. Look, he's looking left. He's looking down the field. He looks at the slot receiver and last second goes all the way wide for the
2: touchdown. Yeah but take a look at Leto Shepard right there. He's waiting and he had nowhere to really else go. I mean David Gibbons over there on the sidelines was clearly his man and just because he anticipated that Tom Brady could not make that throw he's unable to make a play on the ball but that. That should never have happened. Lito Shepard should have been over there on David Gibbons.
0: And that was an infuriating play to give up as Lito Shepard just lost Givens in the side of the end zone. Brady threw it off his back foot, and, and Lito Shepard just didn't think Brady had the arm strength to get the ball over there, to, to wing the ball to the, to the far side of the field on his back foot from the far hash. He's watching Brady the whole time. He's watching the play the whole time. You can see Leto Shepard. He's giving Gibbons a good five yards off to the side because he thinks he'll be able to make up the ground in time to get over there and knock it away. Or or he just doesn't think Brady will even attempt the throw. Brady attempts the throw, throws a perfect pass. Shepard has no chance. And Shepard just looks ridiculous on the play. It's a, it's a touchdown that never should have been given up. But. After controlling the game for most of the first half, the Eagles and Patriots went into the locker room tied at seven-seven. When you look at the pure statistics, it doesn't look like it, as it doesn't appear as lopsided as it was. But as I mentioned earlier, going midway into the second quarter, the Eagles had run thirteen plays in Patriots territory. the The Patriots had run zero plays in Eagles territory. The Patriots led the Eagles in rushing yards, fifty-eight to thirty-seven. The Eagles led in passing yards, 141 to 90. In total yards, the Eagles led 178 to 148. Third downs, the Patriots were one of five on third down. The Eagles were five for nine. The Patriots had turned the ball over once, the Eagles twice. The, pa- the Patriots actually led in time of possession, 15-13 to 14:47. but that's because the Eagles had very good field position and short fields for much of the first half. And that's an issue here. I mean, that, that was the thing. The Eagles had all the chances in the world to go up two scores on this team and they didn't and so they go into halftime having made some plays but still tied at just 7-7 when we come back we'll talk about the second half the more interesting half of this game right after this break here on BGN Memories with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice So after Sir Paul McCartney performs at halftime, we enter the third quarter with the score tied at 7 and the Patriots got the ball first. And something to think about here is that Paul McCartney playing at the halftime show and every halftime show, halftimes are much longer at the Super Bowl than they are during the regular season. During the regular season, halftimes are about 12 minutes long for teams. They're in the they're in the locker room for about 12 minutes here. At the Super Bowl, it's about 25 minutes. That is a ton of time for teams to make halftime adjustments. And Charlie Weiss fixed some things on the fly during the second quarter of the game. But given 25 minutes to prepare, the Patriots came out with answers for the Eagles' defense. And again, maybe some of those adjustments were based on Spygate. Maybe they weren't. 25 minutes, if you're a really smart, offensive-minded coach, is an eternity to help, you, to help you figure out what you're going to do next. And so when the Patriots got the ball first, thanks to some of those halftime adjustments, they figured out the Eagles' defense and drove the length of the field to score the go-ahead touchdown.
2: Mike Grable on the end of the line on the left side. Brady play action, fires. Grable catches it. No signal of touchdown as there are penalty flags down. Holding defense. Number 93, the penalties decline, touchdown.
0: And all of a sudden, New England is up by a touchdown, 14-7. to It felt like the Eagles were in control of this game the whole time. And suddenly, the Eagles are down. The Eagles would never lead again. The Eagles and Patriots traded drives that didn't go far, so the Eagles get the ball back in the third quarter with 7.52 left on their own 26. And now McNabb and the passing game got hot. They moved the ball methodically down the field, got six first downs on the drive, and it ended with a touchdown strike from Donovan to Brian Westbrook. First and goal. McNabb throws. Touchdown, Philadelphia. That tied things up at 14 apiece with a little over three minutes left in the third quarter. Nobody would score in the remainder of that quarter. So we move ahead to quarter number four. And the Patriots, the Patriots took the ball on their own 34 and went on another long drive. Brady threw passes to Troy Brown, to Kevin Falk, to Dion Branch, and some solid running by Corey Dillon and Falk took the Patriots down to the Eagles two with 13.49 left in the game.
2: Grable is in, Holstein is blocking for Dillon. Corey Dillon, touchdown, New England. And the Patriots are back on top.
0: After that touchdown, the Patriots now led 21-14 with 13.44 left, but you still felt good about the Eagles' chances. They were moving the ball. At times, they, they had some drives stall out. Donovan McNabb was erratic in this game. Lots of high passes. He just was, was over-anxious. Uh, lots of, you know, some of his typical worm balls. And, I you know, listen, I love Donovan McNabb, but in some of these big games, he, he played small and he he was erratic he was way too excited the demeanor the difference in demeanor between Donovan McNabb in this Super Bowl and Nick Foles who was unbelievably calm and serene and on fire in that game it really goes to show how much how much better a quarterback plays when he's in control of himself and Donovan McNabb was just not in control of himself he was he was hyperkinetic he was you could just tell that he was so amped up and, and overthinking things for so much of the game that it was causing so many of his passes to be behind receivers, too high, too low. and But but even given all of that, McNabb was making plays. But you knew they were, the Eagles were going to have to continue scoring because the Patriots' offense had figured out the Eagles' defense. And Brady had that look to him. You knew that he was going to keep pushing the ball down the field. And unfortunately, this time around, the offense could not answer. McNabb threw low to Dorsey-Levins. Brian Westbrook lost six yards on a run play, and then there was an incompletion to Greg Lewis that forced an Eagles punt. The Patriots got the ball back, and Super Bowl MVP Deion Branch finished off a career game with one of the big plays on this drive, this 19-yard grab.
2: By action, Brady, down the middle. What a catch wow. by Frank. Branch took it away from Sheldon Brown and that was good for 19.
1: Boy, I tell you, for Sheldon Brown, you just simply can't cover anybody better than that. He runs right underneath the route, he knows he has help over the top, and simply has the ball taken away from him, he's right there in perfect coverage.
0: Branch was named Super Bowl MVP because of his performance catching a career-high 11 balls for 133 yards, just a ridiculous performance from him. A roughing the passer call on that play moved the ball to the Eagles' 16-yard line. The Patriots would eventually get it down to the Eagles' four, but thankfully the Eagles' defense stiffened and forced an Adam Vinatieri field goal from 22 yards out to give New England a 10-point lead with 8.43 left. So, again, still plenty of time. A 10-point deficit with 8.43 left, certainly doable. The Eagles had lots of time to close the gap, and it looked for a few minutes like they were going to do that. As McNabb hit Owens for this huge play.
2: Second down and eight. McNabb fires the pass to Terrell Owens into the open field. Look out. Terrell Owens getting it into Patriot territory. They'll mark him out at the 37.
0: It looked like they were going to at least get a field goal, but then McNabb made his most critical mistake of the game.
2: Levins in motion on first down. McNabb fires high and the pass is intercepted by Bruski. Levins flashing across the middle. McNabb was too high and Teddy Bruski, one of the defensive leaders for the Patriots, was there waiting for it.
0: Just an awful pass from McNabb to Dorsey Levins. I, you know, was staring at him the whole way. It was a brutal pass. The one thing the Eagles absolutely could not do in that situation was turn the ball over and they did. So at this point in the game, the Eagles' offensive issues only having two touchdowns, I don't lay at the feet of Andy Reid. With the exception of getting plays in late, they didn't have any, any delay of game calls. They didn't have to burn any timeouts because they were getting plays in late. The play, I think the play designs were good. They had receivers open. They, they, had, they had plays available to them, and McNabb was erratic. And that was the, that was the big problem here. Andy Reid, to this point, was calling a good game. I, I, think, he was, I think he was extremely effective. Donovan McNabb turning the ball over with his two interceptions really hurt the team. So the Patriots get the ball back with a little over seven minutes to play. The Eagles did force a three and out and got the ball back on their own 21 with five minutes and 40 seconds left to play. And this is the drive that everybody remembers. It's from this point on in the game where Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb were both arm in arm to torpedo the Eagles chances of winning their first Super Bowl. They were down by 10. They had five minutes and 40 seconds to play. They had, I believe it was, I think, believe they had two of their three timeouts at this point. They needed to show urgency. They needed to go hurry up. But they didn't. The Eagles start things off throwing short passes in the middle of the field to Brian Westbrook, to Dorsey Levins, and the, and, and the clock just keeps running.
2: How many Philadelphia fans are screaming at the TV saying, hurry up? And they are letting a lot of time oh. click away here. Unbelievable how much time they're spending on yeah. the home. I don't understand this at all. and not getting into a no-huddle offense and trying to keep as much time on the clock as possible. Just walking up to the line of scrimmage. It's third down and ten.
0: There was a snap where McNabb wasn't expecting it, and so they, they have to just fall on the ball. Time is wasting. The clock is just ticking. Tick, tick, tick tick finally the eagles get the ball in the end zone on this 31 yard touchdown bomb from McNabb to greg lewis to make it a three-point game with just under two minutes left down
2: the middle of the field lewis touchdown and philadelphia's not finished yet we said earlier that greg lewis concerned belichick much more than freddie mitchell and it's because of his speed yeah, Freddie Mitchell just does a great job running the route. He gets returned and just does a terrific job there. Actually, it's Greg Lewis. Greg Lewis on the touchdown, but does a great job getting the safety turned and getting the touchdown.
0: So that makes it 24 to 21, but that was a 13 play 79-yard drive that ate up three minutes and 52 seconds off the clock. It took way too long. So with their two timeouts, but now they're under the two-minute warning, the Eagles had to attempt an onside kick because, yes, they could, stop, they could stop the clock twice, but if they, if they didn't get the onside kick, New England could run the clock down to well under a minute, leaving the Eagles virtually no time at all. Now, David Akers was the best in the NFL in onside kicks, but many of those successful conversions were when teams weren't expecting it. But if you had, any, if you had confidence in any kicker, to, to, to have a successful onside's kick, it would be David Akers. Unfortunately, this was not one of his good ones. It bounced right to a New England receiver. The Patriots pounced on it. They were ready for the onside's kick. They got the ball at the Eagles' 41. They ran three plays. The Eagles' defense stiffened and they didn't allow a first down, but they punted the ball away to the Eagles' five yard line with 46 seconds left. And then on third and nine from their own five, a third Donovan McNabb interception, interception ended the Eagles' chances of winning. Their first Super Bowl.
1: It's going to be almost impossible for them to have a completed pass and run another play. They're going to have to really hustle. They're going to throw two hell
2: Down the middle of the field and the pass is picked off by Harrison. Rodney Harrison takes it in and nine seconds remain and the New England Patriots are on their way to solidifying Their team as an NFL dynasty.
0: So the Eagles lose Super Bowl 39, 24 to 21. And we have to double back and talk about that penultimate drive a little bit more. There there was a lot of discussion as far as whether or not Donovan McNabb threw up in that final drive. Um, Did he? He says no. It's impossible to tell on TV broadcast. You can't see it if it happened. What's clear is that plays were not getting into McNabb with any speed whatsoever. At the beginning of that drive, they were huddling. And it wasn't because Donovan McNabb was tired at the beginning. I don't And I, maybe McNabb was checking down a lot in, in, in those situations. But too many short passes, too many passes over the middle of the field. There was no urgency whatsoever. They were not going no huddle. Uh, debate rages over who who is more to blame. Was it McNabb who was more to blame for this? Was it Andy Reid? You know, frankly, it was probably a little bit of both because at first it did look like the plays were coming in late and they were looking for short completions to kind of move the ball once the clock got inside three minutes to me it looked like donovan got tired and was calling teammates into the huddle and i think the tv crew mentioned something about that as well the fact that it looked like some of the eagles players wanted to go no huddle but McNabb was calling them back to the huddle
2: well even freddie's walking around you got to get him lined up and get on the ball and they're still going to the huddle. Uh, this is remarkable. I mean, Hank Fraley, the center, was saying,
1: Come on, get up to line of scrimmage, and then Donovan called him back into the huddle.
2: Just looks like they're worn out. I don't know. There's no of being worn out. This is a Super Bowl.
0: So was that was that Andy Reed or was that Donovan McNabb? Was Andy Reed trying to go no huddle? Was he trying to go hurry up under three minutes? Or was McNabb tired and needed a breather and that's why he was calling players into the huddle? We don't really know. ESPN's John Clayton wrote about Reed's clock management in that drive after the game. Tight end LJ Smith said, I don't know what happened. Andy Reed said, well, we were trying to hurry up. It was the way things worked out. What does that mean exactly? (laughs) I know, is he trying to not bury Donovan McNabb? Is he trying to say, well, we were trying to go hurry up, but my quarterback was too tired. My quarterback didn't have enough energy. Uh, To go into the hurry up, that could be what Andy Reid is saying there, but um, there there really isn't any confirmation as far as what happens. We still don't know exactly what happened in the second-to-last drive of the game. But people forget about Andy Reid's awful clock management at the end of the first half, and that was a part of Clayton's story. As Clayton reported, the beleaguered Eagles coach took even more criticism at the end of the first half. The Eagles, with the score tied 7-7, had the ball at their 19-yard line with 1 minute 10 seconds left. Donovan McNabb completed a 10-yard pass to Todd Pinkston, but Reed did not call a timeout. The clock went from 43 seconds to 17 seconds. McNabb hit Pinkston for a 15-yard completion on third and short to convert the first down, and then Reed called his first timeout of the half. Suddenly, the Eagles were at their 41-yard line when they could have gotten in range for a David Akers' field goal. Instead, they ended up having two unused timeouts and had to answer questions from the media. I don't remember that at all, to be honest with you, Reid said, of the halftime question. That's all from the, that's all from the John Clayton uh, piece right after the game was over. I like Andy Reid. I think he was a great coach. He had so many great characteristics, so many great qualities. He turned the franchise around and made them one of the marquee teams in the NFL for a decade. But he had some fatal flaws. He still has those fatal flaws. We've seen his clock management flaws come up with the Kansas City Chiefs in recent seasons. This was not a shining moment for him. This game was not a shining moment for him. The end of the first half, if that was Doug Peterson, you know they're going. They're, they're pushing the ball down the field. This shows the difference between how Doug Peterson approached the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl and how Andy Reid approached the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Reid did not want to give the Patriots another opportunity. He was more concerned about not letting the Patriots get another chance instead of, we have the opportunity to get another score before the end of the half, especially when you consider that New England was going to get the ball first in the second half. This is a, this is a situation where Doug Peterson would have pushed the ball down the field. He wouldn't have worried about whether or not Tom Brady got another opportunity before halftime. He's going to go and he's going to try and get a score knowing that New England's going to get the ball first in the second half. Andy Reid played it exactly differently. When when I think Brian when uh, Brian Westbrook lost a yard on a running play with the first play of uh, of this uh, drive before halftime, he was The Patriots ended up calling a timeout because, yes, the Patriots thought, okay, hey, maybe we will have an opportunity to get the ball back. That's when Andy Reid went into his shell. But they completed a 10-yard pass to Todd Pinkston. It was a three-yard loss by Westbrook. Pardon me. They get a 10-yard pass to Pinkston. Suddenly now it's third and three, but Reid's still not sure. He's still not sure whether or not to to whether or not to take a timeout because it's, you know, what if they don't convert the third down? He's playing the what if game. The the negative what if game. If we don't convert the third down, New England's going to get a chance to get the ball back and and maybe maybe they get another score. Instead of saying, "We're going to get the first down, we're going to get in a field goal range, and we're going to score a field goal before the end of the half." So we can go into the locker room with momentum and be up by a score. And that was that's the difference between the two coaches. You can't coach scared against the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Andy Reid coached scared there at the end of the first half whereas Doug Peterson would not have coached scared. Late in this game, I don't think it's as clear-cut as far as Andy Reid's clock management and whether or not Donovan McNabb was tired or not at the end of the, at the end of the the, the game at this point because it was humid in Jacksonville and we 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 know that that Donovan McNabb had thrown up on the field in Florida heat in the in a game in the past. So that's one of those old wives' tales. It's, a, it's, it's NFL folklore whether or not Donovan McNabb got sick on the field. I think it's clear to me that he was at the very least tired at the end of that game. That all being said, when it was all said and done, the Eagles lose 24-21, to although the Eagles had more first downs than the Patriots, 24-21, to oddly enough. The pass-run ratio is something maybe you could criticize Andy Reid for in this game. They threw the ball 51 times and ran it just 17 times in this game. With Brian Westbrook... And Dorsey Levins, 17 rushing attempts. It's interesting. And watch the game. They just they were in the shotgun virtually the whole game. That's just what Andy Reid did. There was not a lot of balance to that game. The pass-run ratio was much more balanced from for New England. 28 rushes against 33 passes. The Eagles outgained the Patriots, 369 to 331. But four turnovers compared to one for New England was the story of this game. The Eagles had the four longest plays of this game. And the Patriots had just three plays of 20 yards or more, none of them longer than 27, but they dinked and dunked the Eagles to death. McNabb played poorly, 30 for 51 for 367 yards, three touchdowns and three interceptions, and numerous other bad throws in the game with a quarterback rating of 75.4. At the time, those 367 passing yards were tied for fifth most in Super Bowl history. That is now seventh most because Tom Brady and Nick Foles both threw way more than that in the crazy Super Bowl 52. Terrell Owens performed a miracle in this game. Nine catches on 11 targets for 122 yards receiving. Todd Pinkston also had a good game. Four catches for 82 yards. Brian Westbrook. Had 44 yards on the ground, 60 yards receiving, and in an interview with Bleacher Report that's out this week, and actually I have a piece on BleedingGreenNation.com about this. Uh, Terrell Ow- Donovan McNabb talked about his poor game, and also had some other comments to to, to mention about Terrell Owens. I'm not getting it into the whole Donovan McNabb versus uh, T.O. thing here, but he did talk about his poor game uh, and and why he didn't play well in Super Bowl 39.
2: When you are quarterback or any other position. Uh- Do what got you there. You know, try not to do too much. I was trying to be perfect. And so some of the balls which I threw, obviously, ended ended up being intercepted.
0: So in the aftermath, this was the last time Donovan McNabb would get to a Super Bowl. He thought they'd be back to more, but obviously their relationship with T.O. ended um, the, the year after. The team didn't make the playoffs in 2005. In 2006, Donovan got hurt in the middle of the season as Jeff Garcia went on a run. He got close again in 2008. Reed and McNabb gave it one last shot in 2008, uh, getting to the NFC title game where they lost to a very good Arizona Cardinals team in the final minutes there and never made it back to a Super Bowl together. Reed's mismanagement of the clock in Super Bowl 39, both in the first half and potentially uh, at the end of the game as well is was his lasting legacy as, as an Eagles coach. He had many more good seasons after that, but Eagles fans remember Andy Reid for how he handled Super Bowl 39 and he didn't handle Super Bowl 39 well. His fatal flaws. And Andy Reid had fatal flaws. They came up to kill the Eagles chances of winning their first Super Bowl in Super Bowl 39. So as much as I love Andy Reid, I can't say he did he, I can't say that this wasn't his fault. Super Bowl 39 was his fault in part. Donovan McNabb also shares a lot of the blame for Super Bowl 39. Now Andy Reid has a chance at redemption. We will see whether or not Patrick Mahomes is Andy Reid-proof. I think he might be, and we'll all make our predictions on Super Bowl 54 here uh, next week as we get ready for the game. Uh, But in the meantime, I thought it was a good time to look back at the first of Andy Reid's Super Bowl to find out where he went wrong and how he could improve next week against the San Francisco 49ers. Folks, that'll do it for this edition of BGN Memories. Just a reminder to check out everything we have going on at bleedinggreennation.com. Check out all of the BGN Radio podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to BGN Radio on Apple Podcasts. Give us those five-star ratings and leave a review. We'd love to know what you think of everything we're doing here at BGN Radio. Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time here on BGN Memories.